Welcome back to Potting the Red Sox, bloggingtheredsox.com podcast. I'm your host, uh, Brendan Campbell. And today, I'm joined by pitcher list writer, uh, noted friend of Brock Holt, Sarah Griffin. Sarah, thank you for joining me today. Uh, how is 21, 2021 going for you so far? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's off to a better start than I'd say 2020, 2020 was, so can't complain there yet. <laughs> and uh, just for the listeners who might be unfamiliar with your work, um, what inspired you to get into writing about baseball and sports at the sports in the first place? Yeah, so well, growing up, I always wanted to be a sports writer or sports reporter, but I never really thought it was in the cards kind of until college. I think it was the beginning of my senior year. I actually switched from education to journalism because I had been writing a blog just mainly about baseball. And I kind of noticed I was like, hmm, people actually seem to be interested in this and I knew I liked doing that a lot more than teaching. I have to admit, it's not for everyone. And so I made the switch. And since then, just kind of been doing anything I can to make my way into the journalism world. You know how it is. Yeah, it's a tough industry to get into. Yeah, real tough, but it's worth it. And uh, for those who might not be familiar with uh, Pitcher List, would you mind explaining what exactly that website is and describing the type of uh, content you write for them? Yeah, so honestly, Pitcher List has expanded so much since it first began. I started writing for them last summer, but mine are more like narrative driven, just um, kind of league coverage, whereas you can like find really anything on there. There's like some people that are like so stunningly good with stats and stuff. I'll like read their stuff. I'm like, honestly, I don't know what some of this means, but <laughs> and it just kind of varies. You can find really anything on any players. Um any team, a lot of stuff for fantasy. And then of course, obviously, hence the name, you can find a lot of in-depth analysis on pitchers and what they throw, you know, a further look than more than what you get from Twitter. And uh, speaking of Twitter, you are someone with a large social media following on that platform with over 12,000 followers. So I was kind of curious, like, uh, what are the advantages, maybe even the disadvantages to having a following such as that? I think the major advantage would definitely be when I do publish my work, I find it's a lot easier to get views than it was in the beginning when I was publishing my blogs to like Facebook or something. And the only people looking at it was a few of my family members. Now I feel like I can see where those viewers are coming from and see my work getting circulated, which is nice. Then probably the big disadvantage, of course, is you get some interesting replies, you know, a lot of uh, smart mouse, especially when they're behind the computer or their phone and you can't see them, they'll just kind of say whatever. I've taken the approach of just brushing off, you know, blocking or ignoring unless it's like really persistent. And so far, it's helped. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of trolls on Twitter with like professional athletes as their profile pictures, so... Oh, yeah. It's always the professional athlete profile picture. And then, like, it's usually someone that's either, like, 16 or, like, way, way older. <laughs> With, like, hoodie season in there. Yes, uh, exactly. The SCN. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to the main subject of this podcast, obviously, the Boston Red Sox. Been a pretty 
offseason for the Red Sox has picked up in recent weeks, or more specifically this past week, I should say. Uh, what have you made of High and Bloom, the Red Sox's offseason so far? So far, before the last week, because I feel like there was moves made before the last week, but nothing that really got me excited. That was my thing. I was like, all right, they're interested in all these guys. You know, they're making these like small, minor moves that like slightly improve more so the farm system than anything. And I was like, okay, but like, I just want to have something now to watch that's better than what we watched in 2020, which granted the bar for that was so low. So I'm like, all right, it really can't be that much worse. But it just seemed like up until last week, I was like, are we going to have any major improvements on that front? Whereas now after the last week with all the moves that have been made, I feel like I've already reached the point where I'm like, all right, you're getting a little too optimistic, like acting as if they made like the major like free agent signings of the whole season, like won the off season. Like I'm starting to get ahead of myself with them, but I really like every move he's made so far. I, my big thing was the starting rotation. I'm still very iffy seeing how I'll play out, but I'm definitely feeling a lot more confident than I did a week ago. Do you think they'd be open to adding another starter between now and spring training? I would think so. I would think they're at least still looking. I don't know if they'll actually follow through on it because you could make the argument if all goes according to plan. Like you have enough guys that are very well capable of making major league starts that you could fill the rotation, but it's not like there's a couple guys in there that you just don't actually know, like, all right, but are they going to perform to that standard enough that you would want to see them in the starting rotation, especially when you don't know when Chris Sale's coming back, if he's coming back this season? I wouldn't hate them adding another arm, just kind of as a safety net almost. Yeah, well, it's like you said about the depth. Like, I mean, last season, Ryan Weber was, like, their number three starter. <laughs> and now he's, like, off the 40, man, so – as minor league depth. So, I mean, they've definitely taken a step in the right direction in terms of rotation depth. Uh, moving to the bullpen, the automotive Vino trade, I think caught everyone off guard because there's no like rumblings beforehand. So I was curious what you made of that and what you think the outlook for auto Vino is with the Red Sox. I loved that. Like you said, obviously no one saw that coming. I was shocked when I read that. I was actually in the middle of writing an article about uh, Richards and the Hernandez sign. I was like, well, this is, I was going to just add it on to that article. I was like, well, this is entirely something on its own. I can't just add that on as like a footnote. But yeah, I love that trade, honestly. I am a little suspicious. So I'm like, why did they do that? Why did the Yankees give him up? Like, I get he wasn't great for them last year. Like, if you look at the stats, but then once you really look at it, like he had one bad start where it was like, or not bad start, a uh, bad appearance where he let up like six runs in one inning. And it kind of skewed the whole stats in an already weird season. And then I know another thing was, oh, well, he didn't really perform for us the way we wanted to in 2019 postseason. But I'm like, I mean, I remember when he's a free agent after the Rockies. I was like, oh, yeah, I want that guy in my bullpen. Still would love him now. I mean, he wanted to come to the Red Sox, too. So, yeah. And I'm like, he's definitely a lot better than anything we've had. Like. Because who's your best guy next to him? Like Matt Barnes? Like, I don't hate Matt Barnes. I'm not a Matt Barnes hater by any means, but that bullpen's needed some help now for a while. And it just seemed like no one was, it was always an in house option, you know, scrambling these guys around, seeing who from the minor league could step up. 
So it's good to finally have like one set edition there. And do you think one of the possibilities brought up after the trade was that they'll just flip them during the summer for prospects? Do you see that happening? Or do you think he'll make it through the entire season with, with Boston? I think it depends, obviously, yeah. if they're in contention for a playoff run, which I'm, again, I'm way too optimistic already, which I'm like, no, they won't. But that's the good thing is if they're not, you can get two to th- at least two to three prospects, I would say, that are going to help you a lot for your future. So either way, I don't think it's a huge loss if we do end up just flipping them. And I'm not too concerned, honestly, about the money either. I'm like, it's not like they've been some huge spenders. So, and they do need it. Yeah. Well, another important aspect of that trade was Frank German or Frank German, who they seem to be pretty, they seem to be pretty high on. So, yeah, I would say he looks like he's going to be really good. Yeah. He's already like one of their top 30 prospects. So that was a nice addition, I'd say. I know. I'm like, again, I understand why the Yankees made the trade. Like they had to free up some money, like whatever. But I'm like, it's kind of like they just handed us almost like, here, here's the solution to this problem we've had for the past few years now. Well, they did it. I mean, they want to clear a 40-man roster spot, and I think they wanted to get some salary relief too. So Yeah, sign a Brett Gardner back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of 40-man roster moves, the Red Sox have some to make before making like the signings of Martin Perez, Enrique Hernandez, and Garrett Richards official. You think any players maybe not named Dustin Pedroia could get DFA between now and the time those uh, signings are made official? The one that I'm kind of just keeping my eye on is I know people won't like to hear it. I'm a little nervous about how Chavis is going to play out, especially mm-hmm. now that we have Hernandez and you have Arroyo. It's just Chavis hasn't performed. Like I love, I love him as a player. I do. But I don't really see where he fits on this roster right yeah. now, especially with how he's performed at the major league level. Like, yeah, he hits a bomb every once in a while. But, like, there's really been no improvements with discipline at the plate. The defense is just not there. I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. the one guy I have my eyes on right now to see what happens. Yeah, once they start throwing non-natural outfielders into the outfield, it's kind of like, oh, maybe this guy isn't as good as we thought he was. Yeah, it just – and I feel bad because I'm like, I really wish it works for him, but there just hasn't been much improvement at all since he made his debut, which is very unfortunate. Well, one benefit he has, obviously he has minor league options left, so they could, if they feel like he's still worthy of a 40-man roster spot, they could option him down to Worcester to start the year. He doesn't have many AAA at-bats, so that's always a possibility. Yeah, that's true. Develop him down there, give him some more time to see if he can figure things out rather than having him try and figure it out in front of our eyes at Fenway. And I brought up Dustin Pedroia. Obviously, been every time Dustin Pedroia's in the news lately, it's kind of sad to read or discuss. So do you think they would be uh, they would remove him from the 40-man roster in order to open up a spot? I'm assuming that's what's going to be coming. I am interested to see how it's, like, closed off because I know they still owe him money. I'm assuming, obviously, they're going to pay him. But it's just weird to think that we finally have reached that point where he has just been kind of sitting on the roster now for the last two years. We're just like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. But now we have gone to that point, like, okay, it's time to say our goodbyes and close that chapter. 
thing is I don't see them doing it like in some mundane off-season move like they want to give him I would imagine they want to give him like David Wright treatment oh yeah like he can have a final send off yeah that's the other thing I'm like especially with no fans at least for starting off the season I wonder if they're going to have something once you can have fans back for him because that would be really depressing if they're just like yep he's off the roster like and make some like social media posts and that's that <laughs> i mean i don't really get it but for some reason fans seem to have turned on them i mean i guess it's the whole john farrell thing but anytime like there's a fit there's a big tweet regarding pedroia like you can read the replies the quote tweets and get kind of ugly so i mean i know you're one of the people who defend him so i guess as a dustin pedroia stan i appreciate that oh yeah yeah i know exactly the type of replies you're talking about like retire yeah hang him up whatever and i'm like okay i understand he's not doing anything for you right this moment but it's like how do you just forget about like everything he did it's like putting his body on the line constantly she's like well you're not doing anything for me right now so get off my team (laughs) i guess it's a what have you done for me lately crowd exactly speaking of another player fans might be getting a little tired of I guess, Andrew Benintendi. Uh, a few weeks ago, he was <clears throat> really involved in trade rumors. Those have since died down. Uh, I mean, I know Alex Cora was on some podcast recently bringing Benintendi up, talking about like he's going to be on the team. So uh, what have you made of the Andrew Benintendi trade rumors? I was very okay with them. Again, someone I wish worked out, and he did show promise in the very beginning, but it's just like he's been – regressing and I don't really understand why like where it's coming from but it reached the point where like okay especially when you're playing at Fenway and you have this kid in left field I don't know I don't love it and then he's not putting up anything at the plate we all know that but I did listen to the Cora interview and I'm like all right well if he still has trust in him I'm like also of course he has trusted him he has to I think at least give him spring training to see before making any moves at this point like if you haven't made a trade now wait it out I guess and see how he's looking but he's not someone I'm like we need to hold on to him like I think we're going to regret it if we give him away we're going to lose out because we know what like it's not like he's some like crazy hitter we know that to begin with but when you're putting up like nothing at the plate it's like all right (laughs) You don't think there's any, like, untapped potential there? Like, former first-round pick, former top prospect, maybe, like, a change of scenery would do him good and he'd turn into, like, the the star he was projected to be? Yeah, I think I think a trade would be good for him because, like you said, he was a first-round. And in college, like, I was actually looking at his stats from college the other day, and it's crazy. And I'm like, what happened? Like, did it not translate? Like, I know obviously it's hard adjusting from college baseball to major league baseball. And it's not like he spent super long time in the minor leagues, but I don't know. It's just weird how it all translated over. And yeah, he is a guy that you think, all right, maybe he could benefit from change of scenery just to see if an environment like the air, I don't know. I don't know what the deal with Benny is. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's hard to say, like, oh, he can't handle the big market when it's, like, he's, like, one of the more uh, chill guys on the roster, I'd say. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, he was on that 2018 team, and never was, I think, to myself, oh, God, like, I 
wish I didn't have to watch him play right now. Like he showed up when he needed to. <laughs> yeah, I was almost an all-star that year. Oh my god, I forgot about that actually. <laughs> he was almost an all-star. But yeah, I think one thing with Ben Intendi is Cora mentioned this on um on one of the Nesson podcasts. I think it was he talked about like like he might have too many voices in his head, like too many people telling him what to do, like to be a power hitter, because like home runs. It's like home runs are nothing in today's game. But I guess they want to see him become more of a just like a sweet hitting hitter, if that makes sense. Like 40 doubles, 20 home runs, nothing crazy. Yeah, and I feel like that's what we all kind of expected him to be, like that sweet hitter type thing. And I do think you're probably right. It is like a mental thing because anytime I've watched interviews in the last couple of years with Benny, like trying to explain his problems that he's facing, I feel like it just sounds like there's a lot going on that's up, upstairs. It's kind of messing with him at the plate, you know, and that definitely for sure can have a big effect on you. <laughs> Moving on to other rumors circulating. There was a report that Mitch Moreland reunion could be in play, but then today uh, there was a report about Travis Shaw. So I guess uh, which left-handed hitting former Red Sox first baseman would you rather see join the 2021 team? For me, I would go still with Moreland just because we've seen him play with this Red Sox team and we know he has proven results there. Whereas I do, as you know, follow the Brewers and Travis Shaw had a tough, tough past well, he's at the Blue Jays last year, so I don't know what his season. I think he did a lot better then, but like 2019 with the Brewers, was just tough for him. Watch him spent most of the time down in AAA, but the Brewers brought him up a few times. Like they wanted to give him chances and stuff, and it just was not working out for him. Again, I don't know how he was looking in Toronto, but with Moreland, I feel like he's a team player. You know. Everyone in the clubhouse loves him. He kind of brings that veteran presence back, and we know what he's capable of, what to expect from him, because we've seen it as of last August. Like, for instance, it didn't really pan out for him in San Diego, but I'm like, maybe that was just another thing. Like, change of scenery didn't work out for him. And uh, not to sidetrack too far, but you mentioned being a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers. So I was uh, wondering, maybe the listeners might be curious how you became a fan of the Brewers in the first place. Was it like just Christian Yelich getting traded there? Does it go deeper than that? It was actually just the Christian Yelich trade because I tried following around with the Marlins. And that you must have been fun. Yeah, I would say they weren't the most exciting. And I could see as the team started to disassemble, I'm like, all right. And the Yelich trade, honestly, I didn't know much about the Brewers. I was not really closely ever following them but I was like all right let's give it a try and then in 2018 they had maybe as equally exciting of a season as the Red Sox did granted it didn't pan out for them that same way but it was very exciting first year as a fan so then kind of just hopped on and then in 2019 I ended up going to Miller Park actually and honestly the Brewers are very fun not so much lately they're also struggling with the free agent signings and whatnot but we'll see still time the goddamn Vogel back he's pretty fun that's true that he's fun I really enjoyed watching him actually I'm glad he had a bounce back in Milwaukee so circling back to the Red Sox outside of maybe like a Jared Duran Bobby Dahlback maybe even a Jeter Downs 
Is there a Red Sox prospect you think will like make a immediate impact in 2021? That's a good question. I really have just been keeping my eyes on Jeter Downs because I thought that this would for sure be a season. Now I'm not sure when we'll be seeing from him. It's kind of weird. I was actually looking at the list of the prospects the other day. I didn't realize we have a lot of like super promising pitching prospects, which I'm like, all right, well, that also makes me feel pretty confident in the fact that, yeah, maybe the bullpen's like, eh, right now, you know, we have the Ottavino, but I feel like the bullpen's always kind of hit or miss and you see a rotation of these guys. But this is the first year I'm like looking at the list of prospects. I'm like, okay, these are actually good prospects. Like they're very notable. Whereas before I feel like the farm system, it's like, who is this? Like you have to go digging on the internet just to find like video of them. <laughs> yeah. It looks like uh like a Brian Mata or Connor Sheeble will probably make their debut sometime this summer. So that's definitely something to look forward to. Oh yeah. Seawold, I was reading about him the other day actually, and some people were saying, like, whoa, he could be a candidate for the starting rotation for one or two stars. That might be pushing it a little bit, but maybe like towards the end of the summer, depending on how the Red Sox are playing. <laughs> I also find it kind of odd the way people are talking about Tanner Houck. Like, I feel like, I guess, maybe he doesn't deserve a spot in the rotation to open the year. But, I mean, just based off what he did in 2020, seems like he should be kind of penciled in there for the latter half of the rotation, opening day rotation. Yeah, I had him written in for an article I did for Pitcher List. Um, I put him in as a likely starter because I was not going to be like, oh, yeah, he's for sure going to be on that opening day roster as a starter or whatever. But I'm like, yeah, we only saw three starts from him last season. But I feel like everyone really liked what they saw. And I know he's training with Cressy down Florida now. So I'm like, all right, that's not anything to scoff at. Like, he's improving down there. You know, he has his major league experience. Not a ton, but he's getting there. So, like, why not let him, at least in the beginning, get some starts in when we still, again, whole Chris Sale thing kind of just – Puts a question mark on a lot of stuff for the season. Well, did you read the news about Chris Sale dealing with neck stiffness over the holidays? Oh, yeah. See, that's why I'm like, at first I was like, oh, no. Like, now they're, like, pushing back his start date from, like, June to July, August. At this point, if he's healthy and, like, we have a chance at the playoffs, save him for later in the season, sure. Otherwise, like, just, just let him rest, honestly. I don't want to see him like going in there and then getting like two or three starts and then him just back to being injured. And then we're all in limbo once again. I'm talking about Seabold. I mean, I mean, we were like pretty much raving about the moves Heim Bloom has made this off season. I just want to go back to the 2020 season and say, I personally think the Mitch Moreland and Brandon Workman and Heath Henry trades were excellent to put it simply. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have a take on those. No, I think especially because the Moreland one did make me upset, but it did work out. Whereas Workman and Hembry, I don't know if they just didn't translate well from Boston to Philadelphia, but looking at like the rest of their season they had and what we got in return and how much that's going to benefit us for the long run, I'm like, thank God that was a genius move. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Pavetta is pretty exciting, I think. Uh, former top prospect, I believe. So he definitely has some untapped potential. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope he gets 
more chances again. I mean, obviously he's going to, I'm just hoping it'll be more than twice, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, what should we call it? Yeah. I, that, I think that was my favorite trade that Bloom's made actually so far, honestly, just the way that it's already benefited us and seeing how things kind of played out for Workman and Henry, which I feel bad for them. And it's not like they were terrible with us last season by any means, especially Workman. It's always been great. So I don't know what happened there, but it's kind of a sigh of relief. And uh, well, speaking of Henry, what was your take on him when he was with the Red Sox? Because I personally felt like he was underrated. But if you go online, you'd set you'd see people calling him out like every other appearance. He, I will admit, I did not like him for a while. And I think it was around the 2019 season. I was like, okay, I feel like I was overhyped, either buying too much into what everyone's telling me, like, oh no, he's terrible. He's terrible. I'm like, compared, especially looking in the context of that whole bullpen, I'm like, he was one of the best guys you had at the time, which now I'm not saying like he's one of the best relievers, like blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I'm still not a big Henry fan, but I do think he was very underappreciated for what he actually did, especially the last couple of years when it was kind of just this makeshift mess all the time with pitching. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of veteran relievers still on the market, so it'll be interesting to see which ones have to settle for minor league deals like Workman and Hembree could be two of those guys. Yeah, I really am interested to see how, where either of them end up and pans out because Workman for sure, I'm like, it's going to be really unfortunate to see that guy fall from grace because he was the best reliever in our bullpen to see if he ends up like on a minor league deal or something. That would be kind of wild. Yeah, if his free agency was after 2019, he would have been cashing in. Oh, for sure. I know. And last year, I feel like he was the closest thing we ever had to a reliever for a long time. In terms of who will be patrolling the Red Sox outfield so far, I mean, we know it's going to be – well. I mean, Hunter Renfro and Alex Verdugo seem like the only ones you can really like pencil in there because yeah. Andrew Bantani trade rumors. Jackie Bradley Jr. doesn't seem like he's coming back. I was wondering if you had any uh, thoughts on the Red Sox outfield taking shape before spring training. As of right now, I'm just picturing Benny, Verdugo, and Renfro. I, I know there's some people, I think I listened to an interview the other day, some people are like, oh, well, like you can also have Hernandez in there now. Whereas I thought the idea was Kike was going to be like your everyday second baseman. Cause I know he was looking for an everyday role. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we've had so much inconsistencies at second base. I'd rather just have him there. I know he's not like some like elite defender by any means, but it's probably the best we've had in a while there. So as of right now, I'm kind of okay with that outfield again pending what ends up happening with Benny, if they make any more signings, whatever. Again, like you said, I don't think they're going to sign JVJ. I would like to see him come back, but I don't really think they have a need to at the moment. Well, I, I enjoyed your tweet the other day. It was how, like the Red Sox are calling Jackie Bradley Jr. And he's just ignoring them, basically. Is that what the premise of your oh, tweet yeah. was? Well, yeah, because you keep seeing they're like, oh, yeah, we're so interested. Like, we're still in talks with him, whatever. It, but like, from the very beginning of this offseason, Jackie's been like, I'm testing free agency. Like, anytime you ask about boss, he's like, I'm testing free agency. I'm seeing what's out there. Like, if he wanted to come to a deal, I think it would have 
come to something at this point, or at least it would be more than just the Red Sox are still interested. <laughs> We'd be hearing a little bit more than just that rumor over and over again. Yeah, like the way Bloom worded it the other day, talking about like, oh, uh, we'll be in touch with him until his free agency is resolved. That doesn't really sound like, oh, he's definitely signing with us. <laughs> yeah, it almost kind of sounds like we're like his backup plan if nothing else works out for him that he's to his favor, which I think something will work out with him. Maybe in, it sounds like the Mets or like maybe the Astros. Yeah, I think the Astros would be an interesting fit. That would be interesting to see. Bradley on the Astros I would like to see him with the Mets but I don't know I feel like the Astros have kind of a greater need I mean not that the Mets outfield is anything like oh wow but especially now that they don't have Springer uh they could bring back Jake Marisnik I mean the Mets could too he was linked to the Red Sox last week as well so oh yeah I saw he was and I'm kind of all set on that honestly (laughs) He's probably like a poor man's version of Jackie Bradley. Yeah, I would say if those are the choice between him or JBJ, push, like, get that deal done with JBJ. Like, there can't be that much difference of the money either. So, like, I would much rather have JBJ there. And uh, if you were to set, like, a date on uh, when Jaron Duran will make his major league debut, what would you uh, what would you give for that? Hmm. Maybe late summer? Yeah. I mean, he's on the floor man yet, so that's a little hurdle to get through. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking late summer. And oh, start I mean, the year. breaking right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, he won finals MVP in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I would say he's having quite the offseason for himself right now. So who knows if he carries that all through this season, maybe we'll see him in, like, June maybe. But I think that could be could be a little too optimistic. Yeah, Jaron Duran, if you somehow listen to this, please unblock me on Instagram. Thank you. I'm sorry. That's incredibly unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I guess he took issue that I said people might not agree with his Instagram stories once he gets called up, but it is what it is. (laughs) Hopefully it's time What'd you say? Do you happen to follow him on Instagram? I actually, I was not following him, and then I saw your tweet, so I went to go look, and I will admit, I was like, mm, I'm going to hold off on following him. <laughs> I All think right. that'll be a lot of people's, but. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's why I said, like, once more people, once he gets a bigger following, people will see that, and they might take issue, but well, I guess you didn't like hearing that from me. Yeah, apparently not. Did not like that criticism on his Instagram. All right, uh. Last question for me. So far, it looks like the Red Sox and other teams are planning on a 162-game season. Would you take the over or under on that amount? Well, I guess that would be the under because they wouldn't really go over 162 now, would they? <laughs> I'm – God. Because I want to say, I'm like, yes, they're going to play 162 games. Like, I want to be optimistic that that's what's going to happen. But already I'm hearing rumblings like, oh, spring training Arizona might get pushed, like, blah, blah, blah. And I just feel like there's still – there's no set plan already with the COVID stuff, which is exactly what happened last year. Everyone's just like, all right, what's happening? Like, when's this going to happen? Whatever. So I might have to go the under on that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. 
Are you a big Rob Manfred fan? I can't imagine. I, I cannot say I am. Not not a big fan. Tony Clark. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been about a half hour. So, Sarah, thank you for your time. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at SKG underscore 18 and read her stuff at pitcherlist.com. Sarah, thanks again. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Let's do it again sometime. Yes, for sure.